somewhere here. That seemed easy. Uh, I don't know, look for something big, I guess. Maybe it's buried. It's not gonna be buried, you're not supposed to bury a cache. Well, this isn't completely 100% geocaching, you know that. Yeah, I know. Maybe at work? In the car? Where do you are? Geocache Talk Podcast is sponsored by FTF Magazine. FTF Magazine can be found at ftfgeocacher.com. And by IB Geocaching Supplies. The best site for geocoins, cache containers, and much more can be found at ibgeocaching.com. And by Cashly. Cashly is the foremost geocaching app and can be found at cashly.com. And by AMS Travel Sales. AMS Travel Sales is proud to offer hosted geocaching tours and cruises. Join us as we hunt for geocaches on our travel adventures. And by JP's Geodesigns. JP's Geodesigns is one of the world's leading designers of geocoins. Contact them and get your next awesome geocoin design done. Check out their store and their website at jpsgeodesigns.com. Please make sure and let these fine sponsors know that you appreciate their support of the show. Well, hey, everyone. Time for Geocache Talk. Whether you're at work, in the car, wherever you are, we hope you enjoy the show. Please give a like and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Radio Public, all sorts of places, and, of course, Spotify, so that you can get all the weekly Geocache Talk goodness. Big thanks to the Travel Bugs for the music and our featured patrons, Peachy1276, the No-Code Geocachers, Marsipanic, Bricker John, Firesafe, and our new patrons, Scrabble Hounds and Jinxer05. If you'd like to become, don't you love those names, Jesse? And we've got all yeah. sorts of. They're always creative. They're always creative. I, the, those GC names. I would make some guess about Scrabble Hounds, but I, I'd probably be wrong anyway. So, right. You, know, you, you can't just assume that it means something that obvious. Not right. with geocachers. <laughs> That's true. Uh, if you'd like to become a patron, head over to patreon.com forward slash geocache talk for more details. Patrons get, where'd my coin go? Uh-oh, Sorry, stolen, muggled, stolen. See, I'm down to I have so, I have so few coins left that oh, there it is. I got it. Patrons get the blackout coin. Ooh, I've decided no more patrons because I want to keep the couple ones I have. Nope, we're, we're not allowed. We're cutting it off. No more. <laughs> I'm not giving them out anymore. <laughs> no, we've got. We, yeah, we are starting to run out of our favorite blackout coin. We're <sighs> not going to redo that coin. So anyway. So, but no, you can still join regardless of what Jesse says. We're still bringing on patrons. I can't keep them? No, you, you, well, you keep those, but, but uh, we got to add more patrons because we're doing lots of okay. cool stuff. So, all right. All right. Patrons get new black hat coins, other geocaching items during the year, as well as bonus content and invites to special events only for patrons. Support levels start at as little as $3 a month. Let me welcome my aforementioned co-host, Jesse. <laughs> Good evening. I'm glad to be here because it means I survived my caching experience this morning. 
Yeah, you did with the with the the ice and everything. I can't believe you guys were out there. Well, we have to. When it goes, when it snows, we have to get out there and play. It's you know. <laughs> yeah. We've been here eight years in Colorado from from Memphis, and still when it snows, I'm still like, oh, it's a snow day. That's Although right. it's not here because everybody's like, yeah, it's just snow. We're going to work. We're going to school. Right. But we're out playing, so yeah, it was fun. Even though we uh, came close to crashing, but Ooh. you know, Ooh, but you're here, so that's good. Yeah, it was one of those. You know, you're driving and. Y- everything's going straight and then all of a sudden you're starting to twist sideways and you're like "Mm, this is not gonna go well it's not good but but we twisted back right and ended up going straight again so i was like all right we'll just we'll just move on from that that's just pretend like that never happened i was totally in control the whole time don't worry about it of course you were yeah Uh, kids you've lived long enough don't worry about it (laughs) that's good (laughs) all right let's jump right into show 124 for november 11th because we have a great show tonight as we welcome to the show, Alexandra Boylan and John Katie Graham. Welcome to Geocache Talk. Hey. Hello. Thanks for having us. You bet. We've, uh, um, the three of us, along with Helena, and we're a shout out to Helena Santos, who couldn't make it tonight. Um, I know she'll listen to it later. And so, hi, Helena. How are you doing? Hi, Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> We miss her uh, being on tonight, but the four of us have talked uh, off and on for, do you realize it's been about a year since I contacted you guys? That's nuts. It's crazy. It was, but it's okay because we kind of know how it goes, but uh, I contacted, I emailed them. I said, hey, we really want to talk about this show, this movie, and you know, we want to kind of have you guys on and like, okay, we're in. But then like, then I, every now and then I go, Hey, how's that movie coming along? And they'd respond up. Yep, not, not yet. Not yet. Okay. That's all right. Well, we're here. It's out. We made it. You know, when you make a movie for very little money, you can't pressure people to go too fast. Right. And it's not fair to push things too fast. And so you know, what, what is the thing they say? Everything it's the triad, right? Time, money, and quality. So when you don't have money, it's going to take a lot of time to get quality. <laughs> right. Exactly. And it was. We're and we're going to talk, uh, you know, obviously about the the movie, but we want to. We're first going to jump into a little bit of news, and then we're going to um, jump in and talk about some of uh, both of y'all's uh, uh, careers uh, leading up to this point. And then of course, we'll spend most of the time, of course, talking about at your own risk, but uh, we do want to start with um, mentioning a couple things. Uh, our third annual podcast of hope is on 12 two on December 2nd starts at 4 PM central and goes to midnight eight hour podcast. This will be our third oh, year of doing this. So late. <laughs> it, it is, but it's a lot of fun and I tell you, uh, people don't believe me, but those eight hours go really quick. They really, you do. know, well, it's a long time to be on, right. To do yes. video and stuff like that. And, and I'll be honest, if it wasn't for St. Jude, you'd have to find a fill in because <laughs> <laughs> I'd do anything that anybody asked me for St. Jude, you know, they're just, they're one of those special places, but yes, eight hours is a long time. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But uh, yeah. again, yeah. if you ever change the, uh, if the, we ever change the charity, you can get somebody else. <laughs> get somebody else. No, I think we're. We I can't say st- no to St. Jude, but uh, I know. Well, I'm not going to change it then. We got to stick with the same, no, we, the same plan. They're too good of a place. We and that's kind of our thing now. So yeah, it is. We're going to keep that going. Um, 
Also, um, today, of course, being Veterans Day, we want to uh, shout out to all of our veterans who are patrons and viewers and all of them. Um, our family of. Family of. Yeah, exactly. Um, one of our uh, listeners um, uh, you sent me a quick note and said that he was out today uh, with homeless veterans and working with them and trying to get their lives kind of back on track. And so shout out uh, to all of our uh, people working with our veterans and all of our veterans. So we, we really appreciate you guys doing what you've yeah. done so far. So we wouldn't get to be having a podcast about a game. We get to run around freely and play based on satellites and everything else. If it wasn't for, yeah. for all of them. So serious. Thank you. And then we'll get back to the funny stuff. Yes. Very serious <laughs> about that. No, we will. Yeah. We really, really thank you guys. Yeah, uh, absolutely. From the bottom of our hearts. Uh, all right. Well, let's, Let's get into some. Let's get some talk here, and I want to start. I want to start with John. Ooh. John, you are as we talked about with Alexander and I were talking about before the show. You're a man of many hats. Even tonight, you're wearing uh, you're, you're of many hoodies. So he's in his uh, Unabomber sketch outfit tonight. This is funny. I, my, my nickname when I was a set electrician was John the Unabomber Graham. <laughs> I looked similar to this, but I'd have big aviators on and a big beard. It was usually in the cold of New Mexico, and I'd have a lot of clothes on too. It was, it was an affectionate name, not a scary name. There you go. Kind of that's, that's good. That's good. Um, and Alexandra also wears many hats too. We're gonna talk. We'll talk, we'll talk with 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 her about some of the things she's done recently. You know, done over over her her career. But um, have to ask you a couple things because when I first um, heard about the movie, I started looking around and um. um it's kind of interesting that um, looking at, you know, I was like, oh, well, let me see who's in this movie. And, oh, okay. I started looking. I was like, hmm, this guy's worked on Avengers and True Grit. <laughs> so talk talk briefly about what you got, what you were able to do with on Avengers and True Grit. What was some of your things you did? Yeah. So um, on both those films, I was a lighting technician and mm -hmm. – um, on Avengers specifically, I was a, a rigging electrician. Um, so I guess, you know, people who are really into the terms would say, that's not a lighting technician. So yeah, okay, I was a rigging technician. But so uh, after I got out of um, uh, college, where I learned filmmaking uh, at the Savannah College of Art and Design, I uh, moved to New Mexico and was able to get in the union and I can go into that more if you want, but big picture, I got in the union, uh, the IATSE union in New Mexico is a site electrician and started working with a good group of people. And that's what I did. I was doing lighting. So you run power on set and you bring in the lights and you set up the lights and you point the lights where people tell you to, and mm -hmm. you know, make sure everything's safe and that, you know, looks good per the, uh, higher ups requests. Um, on true grit, that's exactly what I was doing was a, uh, lighting technician, to the point where at one point I was on set with um, uh, Jessica Alba. It was just her and I on set. And it was the scene where she had to answer. She had to, I forgot what was going to happen. I think she had to answer the door. And well, that's a tough life. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, you know, but it's like, you kind of like stay quiet. You kind of stay out of the way. You try not to, you know, you, you try to be just not there even right. when you are. And uh, at one point we were shooting in an actual person's house and the old man was a very nice 
very New Mexican, you know, Hispanic man who's still in his house while we're shooting the scene, sitting in his armchair, reading a newspaper and his phone starts ringing. <laughs> oh no. It ringing and it rings and it rings. And I'm standing there being like, Oh, I bet this is messing stuff up and it's ringing. And I hear like on their walkie people being like, Oh, was with the right, right. Was the right. Phone ringing. <laughs> Jessica Alba looks right at me and she goes, are you going to do something about that? And I was like, it's not my job. And it wasn't, it's not my job. I don't live there. Right. It's not my, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm not in charge of that. I'm a lighting technician. So it's kind of funny. Like when you get into the union stuff, there really is that thing where it's like, if it's not your thing, you don't do it. Yeah. Now, if it was dangerous, I would do so. If the phone was going to blow up after eight rings, of course, I'd <laughs> right. do then you were, but, then you would have gotten up. You know, I have to give you props for like uh, smarting off to a major movie star. That's that's pretty brave. <laughs> you know, it's like at the end of the day, though, it's like uh, I, I could probably get in more trouble by doing something I shouldn't do than that's not. Like, for all, for all right. I know, they, they don't send me the script. So for all I know, that's part of the story. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. And a lot of yeah. actors don't read the scripts. You know, So like they may not even know that it's supposed to be ringing. Like, who knows? Right. So um, but uh. No, you know, it's like, and she took it really well when I said that, because I was like, someone's going to take care of it, you know, like it'll, it'll, I can hear them talking. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, I was a lighting technician on that. And I think that when they were in New Mexico shooting, they were only there like maybe two weeks. So I was on two weeks. I'm guessing that's what it was like while they were there. Um, and then on Avengers, which was super fun to be on Avengers, but I was, I was a rigging uh, electrician. And so we would run like massive power grids so that oh, the wow. set, like, we were essentially, I, Mostly while I was there, I worked on Nick Fury's starship. Um, they had multiple sets and multiple rigging crews, but I was on the stage that had the Hulk's um, kind of shanty he lived in that they find him in at the beginning. Um, it had Nick Fury's starship, and it had something else. I can't remember what. And um, so, like, if you if you watch the movie, all of the lights that are in the ceiling, mm-hmm. I, I hung up there with one of my friends, Seam McClellan. Like, we hung them up there together. Wow. And it's it's cool. Like you watch the movie, I'm like, hey, all those lights up there that no one notices. I put those all in. <laughs> but um, you know, and awesome. someone else made the lights, and like, there's like it, that kind of movie has a huge crew. Like it's humongous, and I don't even know everyone that worked on it. You know, mm-hmm. and uh, so I was never around when they were actually rolling, which probably is a good thing because that kind of show can be stressful at that level. So uh, it was mm-hmm. it was kind of it was different. It's more like you're hanging out with your buddies, and you gotta go put this thing over here and you're going to do that. And like, it was, it was a much lower stress kind of world. So that was, that was pretty great. Um, that, yeah. it's, it's cool to know that I worked on the Avengers. I don't think I got a credit in the film or anything that I know of. Oh. You're on IMDb. I have it on IMDb, but I don't know if I'm in the credits. I don't think I am. It's, it's very weird how credits come to be. So mm-hmm. I'll have to look. I should be under there under rigging. I don't know. I need to check it out. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, speaking of, things of that nature uh alexandra told me before the show because i was kind of weird just talking and she goes i was a stand-in on thor so tell us about tell us about that alexandra yeah when i moved to albuquerque new mexico where i met john and rick galley our cinematographer i thought oh that'd be a fun job to do is be a stand-in and my first job i got was for megan fox on a movie called passion play and it was actually a lot of fun because it's the opposite of what John just said. What he would do is go in kind of beforehand, light everything, and then kind of step away. I, as a stand-in, you're, you're literally second to the actor. So the actor comes in, and they rehearse with the director, and then they leave, and the stand-in goes in and does all the rehearsing with the camera and the lighting, and they light to the stand-in, and they light to the – and they, mm. you know, work out the camera with you. Right. And um, – 
Thor was a lot of fun. I mean, like I said earlier in the show, this is before Marvel took off. So we were all on set being like, what is this? Looks ridiculous. Like everyone's outfits in real life looked absolutely ridiculous. So I was like, oh, this is cool. But on set, we were kind of making fun of it. We're like, I mean, obviously Chris Hemsworth, very good looking man. I was like, that man's good looking, but what is he doing in that outfit? And what is this he so, looks he looks ridiculous in this outfit, but he's a good looking man. He really is. So man, why I was like, why did they put him in this stupid outfit? And like it's so funny to look That's back awesome. now. It's like Marvel took over everything. I was like on one of the first Marvel shows. So it was awesome though. It was a lot of fun. We all had a really good time. And you as a stand in, you do all the like running around, like, you know, you get to do a lot of like like when they're we were the earthlings. They shot all the um, earth stuff in New, mm-hmm. in Galicia, New Mexico. They shot all the outer world stuff in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fun. We got to do all the stunt stuff and, and we just had a really good time. It was fun. And I got to be in the mix. Like you're right there with the director, the cinematographer, and you get to learn so much as a stand in and kind of watch what everybody does. And if anybody wants to get in the film industry, it's a great job to get to see. It's kind of like a production assistant to kind of see what everybody does and where you think you might want to fit in in the film business. It's good. That's two very different angles of what you're talking about for what y'all do in the movies. Does it, does it all make sense when you're doing that part or do you get to like screen the movie ahead of time? Or are you surprised when you go to the theater, just like everybody else? Like, Oh, that's, that's what was going on. From my standpoint, I, I you know, cause as, as like say a set electrician, I'm sure it's mm-hmm. the same for Alexandra's experience. Uh, they don't send you the scripts. So I might know what the movie is and generally what it's about and who's going to mm-hmm. be in it, but I don't specifically know the details. So like, and it's all shot out of order, you know, as, as most people probably know. Sure. So you're kind of trying to piece it together as you're going. Like you kind of feel like a detective. You're like, Oh, well, what's this about? Oh, why is this scene here? Oh, I see why this scene's here like a week later, you know? And, um, you know, from my standpoint, sometimes you are surprised because you don't always, at least when I was a set electrician, you're not looking at the monitor. So you don't always know a hundred percent of the time what they're actually shooting versus mm-hmm. what you're, what you think they're shooting. And sometimes you're surprised. There was one movie that I worked on where it became a joke with my uh, DP and I, where we, we, we had a term called uh, the inhale close, an inhale wide shot. We called it. So the movie right. thought it was called inhale. And uh, <laughs> his name was changed later. I'm not going to throw it under the bus, but That's okay. we joked on making home sweet home. Our first feature film, we joked about inhale wide shots, which when we said that we meant extreme close-ups right. because that movie never had anything wider than like a medium shot. Like it was unbelievable. <laughs> Everything was just super tight. Like that, like, you know, like just <laughs> not even the full head and frame all the time. And we were like what is this like why is everything so tight and mine's the opposite because i actually get to set and i get the sides every day which is the script and i sometimes have to you know maybe run the lines at the scene and then i do go behind the monitor as soon as the actor comes in i go behind the monitor and i watch the monitor because i'm very particular that if she did something different i have to make sure i do what she did in the next take so I actually, for me, it's kind of hard to go watch a movie after I've stood in because I watched that movie a hundred million times behind the <laughs> monitor as it was being shot. So it was kind of the opposite of that. Yeah. That's that's funny. That's two very, yeah, very different angles. So you don't watch a movie that you 
How could you? I wouldn't be able to resist. I'd have to see what it oh, looked like. Definitely, I definitely watched them. It's just like like the opposite of what John just said. It's not a surprise because I've seen the right. whole thing, mm-hmm. and I'm just like, oh, that's what take they chose to to do. And of course, if I do like like for Thor, I was only I only worked the Earthling days, so I didn't see all the outer space stuff. But if I'm the lead actor standing, then yeah, I'm in every scene. I'm there every. So yeah, when you go to the theater, you're like ah. Literally, it's like watching it all over again after watching on the monitor. So I would definitely always go see the movie because it's fun to see something I've worked on. But it's never really a surprise. Like right. the opposite. Uh, yeah. That's cool. It, you know, it's interesting. Um, both of you and I, we're this is condensed, obviously, into a, a podcast. We can't. We could talk for. We could talk for hours about this, but. Um, <laughs> The, your experiences, um, sort of in these different roles that you know that John talked about and Alexander is different talk about. Um, I think you're what you're saying you learn so much that you're able to then kind of mm-hmm. go to the process of home sweet home. So right. talk a little bit about how you got to that point of making home sweet home. Um, from my perspective. Uh, Alexandra and Rick Galley and I had started making a bunch of shorts. And like, from my perspective, I had found a group of people in New Mexico to make films with again, you know, we had a camera through Rick Galley, like, you know, and then later me, and it's like, you know, it's like putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Mm -hmm. And um, for a while we were making um, web series kind of stuff. I think we've always kind of been searching for like, what is the next thing to do? And it was actually Alexandra's brother who I think suggested we make a feature. He's like, you're making all these shorts. You're doing all this stuff. Like, why don't you just make a feature? Like you could have made a feature by now. And Alexandra was like, he's totally right. We should do that. And I was like, okay. It's like, that's sort of how the fledgling beginnings of home sweet home started. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, we we and we had no idea how to make a feature. We just said, let's just do it and figure it out as we go. And um, little did we know, three years later, it, we did not give up. But right. I think we did know how to make a feature because it's the same. Her brother was exactly right. It's like, mm-hmm. why aren't you just making a feature if you're doing all the stuff? Like, we knew how to do it because a feature yeah. is just a series of smaller shorts that tell a bigger story. You know, right. Right. Being short, essentially. So um, we had never done it before, but there was nothing logistically different other than convincing our friends to take way longer to not work and help us. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, that's, um, you know, that's like you said, it's, it was a good sort of next step, I think for you guys to be involved in, you know, something of that magnitude. And now you've done, you know, a couple of different, uh, uh, things we'll talk about here in a minute. Uh, I, in our notes, it's funny. Um, I put a note in there, and of course, Alexandra told us she can no longer purchase this. But I had to mention it, Alexandra. <laughs> of course, you, you you were Pizza Girl. Yes. <laughs> in, in your your pizza adventure. Now, this is something that's great. Uh, you were part of a. Um, it was an app. Or uh, yeah, a video game. John and I made it together. It's a live action choose your own adventure app game. And uh, John plays the homeless bum in it, actually. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <And he's amazing. laughs> I just want to correct that. I actually play a superhero who disguises oh. himself Dis- as a homeless well, man. Disguises. Yeah. I love it. To be homeless. You, know, you don't know. You never answer the question. Right, right. <laughs> But you can't buy it anymore. But that's funny. I, I uh, so it was kind of, I was like, wow, you're in it. And she's like, oh, it's not. You can't get it anymore. It's like, okay, all right. Yeah, but yeah. 
I had to mention it though. Um, yeah, it was an awesome game. It's too bad we had to pull it off the iTunes. Store. Well, we are, we are considering yeah. putting it on YouTube. It's yeah. just it like a lot of work, and I just need to steal myself to do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> You're not busy. No. In fact, yeah. you know. As in fact, we didn't even mention. Uh, you know, uh, because the people that are listening to the audio version of our show. Um, John and Alexandra are not in the same room. <laughs> John yeah. is in Arizona. Alexandra, was, she mentions in, in Los Angeles. So John mm-hmm. is, uh, you're working on, what are you working on, John? Yeah, so I'm, I'm DPing a uh, true crime show right now that's getting made. I can't say a ton about it, but it's, it's essentially okay. like it's true crime. It's like we're interviewing people, um, you know, police officers and people involved with uh, something, you know, terrible that happened to mm-hmm. human beings really sad but um it's one of those things where it's good for people to know what does happen in the real world you know yeah from the way i see it it's it's an educational thing for people to be aware of this sometimes people aren't good people just like in the movies sometimes people are just bad people you know yeah wait what no that's a spoiler for our audience there's bad people out there yeah yeah didn't (laughs) want to break it to you but there it goes there are john graham yeah, so yeah. I'm like right now on a 10 day journey. Uh, I, w- I flew to Seattle for a few days and then Arizona, and then I fly back to Seattle and then Kansas City and then uh, back to LA after that. Wow. So that's just a couple, mm. that's just like two episodes of it. There were, and I'm just doing the B roll and interview, and then there's people that will do recreation and other stuff for it as well. Oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears for a moment off of true crime, which is, like you said, it, it's kind of a downer. To a, mo- to a movie that uh, my wife Susan and I watched the other night, A Wish for Christmas. No, and- no, not A. Wish for Christmas. Wish oh, that's Christmas. right. Let me get that right. It's Wish for Christmas. Yeah, let me get that. Christmas is Hallmark, and it's really blasé, so don't watch it. Yeah. Uh, my wife will like it, though. She likes all those Hallmark movies and Lifetime. Oh. All- Christmas time becomes Hallmark Channel. Like, don't touch that. Yeah, <laughs> it's the same thing with Susan, but we Luckily watched, I like to read. So it's there okay. you go. we we did watch Wish for Christmas uh, and loved it. Susan and I just just loved it. We had such a great time watching that movie, and so oh, awesome. kudos to you guys. Um, it it's really worth either renting or buying. And the interesting thing is, I didn't really have never really got into this side of things. But if you go to Amazon, look up Wish for Christmas. Of course, find. Alexandra and John, uh, starring Joy Lawrence, uh, Anna Fricks, Bill Ingvall, um, as Santa. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lee Allen Baker. Santa. Yeah, Lee, Lee Allen Baker. Sorry, she's in it too. Uh, she's the she's like the main the main ca- uh, character, I guess, in the movie, which is great. She does such a great job, um, mm-hmm. and uh, you you really do kind of <laughs> it's it's. It is so well acted. We talked about that before. Um, it's really, like I said, it's, it's really worth uh, worth either renting or buying, which either way, but you can get it off of Amazon. Um, and Alexandra does a great, you do a great job, Alexandra. Sorry, you, you get, you. you get. You I'm get, not top billed. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we already but, know she does a great job. That's the problem. She, yeah, <laughs> she already knew that, but. Um, <laughs> But no, it was uh, it was it was it was well done and and um, well casted. I mean, that got to be tough too to find the right. I mean, you guys yeah. put put that putting that movie together 
And like you said, you, you've got to kind of get the right people. And I think people forget that they, they watch a movie and they're like, Oh yeah, it was a great movie. And then you go, wait, but wait a minute. There's so much that goes into it. It's just so much work. And John and I, you know, we kind of, we take our films from conception to completion. So we even do all the, our casting, you know, we did go out to, of course, Joey Lawrence and the Alan Baker Billingville, but I mean, everybody else is casted, handpicked by John and I, we do the casting notices and we do the casting calls. We don't even hire a casting director. We do it ourselves. And so far it's been, we love doing that, but yeah, we do everything. Like John and I pretty much have sort of our finger on the entire film from the beginning to the end, which is great because we get to keep our vision and tell our vision from the beginning to the end of all of our films. So yeah, it's awesome. Um, go ahead, Jesse. What are you saying? No, that's you know we've talked to to other people that have been involved in movies before, and that's one of the things that I'm fascinated the most by is proper casting. I mean, that really can make or break a movie or yeah. film or whatever, and because that's you know that's what everybody's going to remember first is it just the chemistry between the people on set. And that seems like that would be one of the hardest things to do to get the movie just right. Especially if you're creating this all yourself. So you're going to be so particular about who you, who you pick. Yeah. I'm always fascinated by that. Well, and John's an incredible director. I mean, if, if you see our, our film catching faith, a mm. lot of those people we had casted out of Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin had never even like the daughter who plays Raven in the movie she's from my sister's Bible study. We just saw her right. and we're like, you look right. And then John is just such a good director that he's able to bring out incredible performances. John, you can speak to your amazing directing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, thank you. But I, I think part of it, <laughs> thank you. I think part of it is just you, you have to know what the story needs. And mm-hmm. I learned uh, when I was in film school with a particular short I was trying to make, and this is like not important in the big scheme of life at the time, it seemed so important. You know, I was trying to make a short and I had a very specific idea of who I thought I wanted to have in the movie to play a character. Um, I'd just seen the movie called The Chung King Express, which if you've never seen it, is an awesome movie, but it's mm-hmm. a very slow kind of romantic thing. It's like, it's a, it's a strange movie made by right. a very... Chinese director right. and um, uh, I just for some reason really had it in my head that my main character was you know uh, an, an Asian girl and like I just liked the idea of it and one girl came in who was like perfect look and just didn't she was a good actor but just didn't have the heart correct like it just didn't it didn't happen the way I I just could tell in the moment like wh- whether it was happening or not just in the audition mm-hmm. and then it turned out that a good friend of mine Cindy Nevin who was just one of my friends from college who was not an actor. I I couldn't find this actor. And I was like, Cindy, I think you should do it. And I had to talk her into it. And she (laughs) was like completely against it. And I was like, I think you can do it. And it's, here's why. It's because, you know, she's a very emotional kind of person. I was like, I think that if you can just be you, it'll be perfect. And it was, she ended up nailing it and it was great. So I think I sort of learned from that, like, sometimes what you think you're looking for is not what you get. And you have to know the heart of the character you're trying to find and know when that person comes in the room. Right. Alexander, are you going to say something? Oh yeah. Like the essence, like what you're saying, John, is that they already have the essence of what you're looking for. And then they can just, it's almost like you're trying sometimes just to find people who are the person that you're looking for, as long as they can deliver lines good. Sometimes it is finding somebody that just already has the essence of that. Is that right, John? Am I? Yeah. Well, actually, if there's any actors out there listening or people casting their film, I would (laughs) urge you to think about it this way. The, The reason we cast well is because what we do in the audition session is 
uh, first of all, it, and it is true and it's really sad, but there is, at the end of the day, film's a visual medium. So if you need a specific look for, like, mm. if you really do need that, not because you're dumb Hollywood and think you want something, but if you really do need a specific look, right? Like if I need, if I need, if I need someone to be Yakuza, I need a Japanese person or someone right. that's Asian enough to pass the Japanese because if they're Caucasian, then I've got to have this whole story of why they're in the Yakuza. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, makes sense. Typecasting is necessary to tell a certain story. However, um, when that person does come in the room that looks correct, if you're an actor or if you're casting someone, please realize that to get what you need to function on set, it's more than just do they look right and can they do exactly what I want them to do the first time they read the you know audition right. session to me. Right. Really, what you need, someone we 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 have lots of people that come in and they do a great performance. And as soon as I get that great performance, I'm like, okay, great. So now I want you to do it and I'll throw them an absolute curveball. I'm like, okay, now you're not trying to, you know, get vengeance on your husband's murderer. Right. Now you want this bad guy to give you a lollipop because you're like super pumped that he helped you get rid of your husband. And like you throw him a curveball. Yeah. And if, if they can make that believable, that's the actor you want to cast. Yeah. It ha doesn't matter if it has to do with your story or not. It has nothing to do with that. Gotcha. It has to do with can you tell them what you want on set and they give it to you. That's right. ultimately it. You know. That's awesome. Yes. That's wild. Uh, but I mean, that's why you do what you do. So, I suppose you know, and um, yeah, and sometimes you don't have to. It, it's not even that you're going to do that to them on set, but sometimes things happen that don't work. Like you know, you thought you're going to have someone come out of the dining room and slap a ham on the table, but the ham didn't show up on set, and it turns out this house doesn't have a dining room for some reason. Like you know, I mean, you yeah. need someone to work with that with you not be like oh i don't know what to do because there's no ham and no dining room like right. <laughs> exactly. you, know, you know good acting also comes from like when we write our scripts and we you know i studied acting for year 20 years now and so when we write and we are like playing it out with ourselves we are really good at being able to know is this like a, a good way is this conversational is this how people talk every day so some of it does come down to obviously good writing so that the actor has something to work with because sometimes i think good actors get bad bad scripts and then there's like no way to make it good you know right <laughs> and that's part like, of the trick too is a lot of it does come down to the writing because it's it's weird it's like yeah. it needs to sound like the way you and i talk right however yeah. when you watch a movie you don't want to watch people talk the way you and i talk because right it's you know right. like it's right. got to carry weight to it at the same time so how do you make something weighty and also meaningful and you know and tarantino is the, one of the reasons he's I, I think one of the reasons he's so successful goes outside of the way he shoots things it's that he can write stuff that is very it's got a super strong feeling to it mm -hmm. but it also sort of feels like these people could be talking this way you know mm -hmm. um so it's stylistic but it's also believable and that's very that's hard to pull off and you know Sometimes it doesn't always get it right, but that's sort of the trick, you know? Mm -hmm. How do you make them sound normal, but also carry weight to where it makes your heart jump at the right moment, you know? Exactly. Yep. yep. There's so much that goes into movies. People don't think about it. I just, yeah. it's amazing the amount of work and effort and everything before you even start shooting. There's so much that goes into it. And a lot of performances come down to the editing room. You know, you can make or break a performance in the editing room. So it's yeah. like, like, you know, we might write something incredible. Somebody might um, say it correctly on camera. And then now how is it going to look when you bring it in the editing room and how is it going to edit together? It's it, the creating yeah. a, 
an insanely long process that mm. I don't think people completely grasp the whole <laughs> process of making a movie. It's well, great. You know, it's, it's a complex process because there's not actually a correct answer. It's all very mm -hmm. arbitrary. So, mm -hmm. you know. Well, um, uh, you guys have just finished, uh, and I was talking to Alexandra about this uh, when we did our little test, was that Catching Faith 2, you're now in that kind of that, that, uh, that step right now, right, Alexander, you're at that point where you've got an out make or break in a sense of the movie because you're in this post production part of that movie. And yeah. um, so, like you said, the, the now without giving away because it hasn't come out yet, but it is, is catching faith too, in a sense, do you feel like it follows a lot of what the first movie had? I mean, you have a lot of the same people yeah we're, we're, we picked the story up four years later the kids have graduated college now and are starting their adult lives and we pick up the story um with the same characters mm -hmm. and um we are bringing back the whole we brought back the whole original cast including billingville comes back and plays coach z and yeah. um i gotta got ask you about him because uh, <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people love Billing. I love Billing. Well, I, I, th I think he's funny and, um, you know, and I think a lot of people know him from his humor, but I think he's a great actor. I mean, it's just my he opinion, is. but he's a fantastic actor. I think he's, he, he's so, you know, and, and we've all seen poor acting. We've seen good acting. I think even us that are just movie, mo you know, movie watchers, we can kind of, I mean, if you, as time goes on, you can kind of go, eh, you know, or you kind of go, why, why did I, why is that movie not what I thought it would be? And then you sort of think about it and you're like, and you can kind of break it down. But with Bill, I found it interesting. And of course, watching wish for Christmas. Um, I thought he was great as Santa because He's snarky. He's got kind of this attitude, but yet he doesn't. I mean, you can tell from that movie that there's um, how to put this. He his his acting is so good that you kind of can feel the depth of his character. Does that I was going to say the depth. He brought depth to that character. It could have gone totally a different way. And Bill brought so much humanness that you care about homeless Santa Claus, even when he's being kind of a snarky, you still care about him. And that's an incredible actor, an actor to be able to bring that kind of empathy and humanity to a character like that is a really good actor. Yeah. It's not his, just a comedian. It's a good actor. Yeah. And his, his, his interaction with, with, uh, Lee Allen's character, uh, with Elizabeth in the movie. Uh, and she does a great job. I mean, you really hate her. You really do. You hate, you hate her. Anna McLaren. You mean the daughter. Anna McLaren is played by Anna Fricks. Lee oh, Allen I'm Baker sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anna, yeah. Anna McLaren's the daughter. She's the daughter. Yeah. Okay. One, yeah. That's right. Like in the movie until yeah. Her <laughs> yeah, Anna, that's right. Yeah. Uh, Leanna, Lee yeah. Allen plays the, the mom. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah. Go ahead, John. I was just going to say, and actually, Anna Fricks is an awesome example, too, where she had a really difficult task where, uh, you know, from point A to point Z in the film, Anna has to go from this really like self centered yes. kind of, you know, mean spirited person into someone who is empathetic of 
humanity. Yeah. And not only does she have to do that from point A to point Z, but we need to think about the film is made out of order. She actually had to keep track of what scene she had to be what way. Right. And she could do it. Like, like we shot scenes because uh -huh. we'd block shoot stuff. So like when she's there shooting the stuff with Santa, you know, we shot in two days across the two days, not even in order of the movie within those two oh, days wow. of her and Santa and her and her parents. And like, you know, so like one scene, she has to be really mean. And mm -hmm. the next one, she has to be super sweet. And then she has to be kind of in between. And like, right. he was able to nail that without me having to like, you know, over orchestrate any of it. Right. Like that's we don't crazy. Really about where we are in the story, but right. that's kind of a good actor. Like they, they've kind of thought through how the puzzle needs to go together, you know? Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. And you know, uh, Bill Ingo is going to say, like, in both uh -huh. of our films, Catching Faith and Wish for Christmas, he's kind of the mentor to the yeah. high school kids. That's and he true. does such a great job. And he not only does he do a great job in the films, but in, in on set, he's mm -hmm. just really like when we worked with him on Catching Faith and he came in and he had Garrett Weston. And I think Garrett was very nervous to work with him, probably. Who wouldn't be? I think we all were. And and he was just so gracious and kind with him. That And same with Anna Fricks. You know, her father mm -hmm. was like, huge Billingville fan. So she's like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm working with Bill. <laughs> and like, he came right in and made her feel so at ease. And, and um, that's why, I mean, we worked this week. He's in catching faith uh, too. And that's our mm -hmm. third week with Bill. Cause we just love, he, he brings such a great energy to set. He goes around and shakes everyone's hand. He says, hi, he introduced himself. The crew feels like on cloud nine when he comes around. Cause he just really lifts all the spirits of everyone. Wow. He's we love him. That is awesome. Yeah. All right, we're going to switch gears now okay. <laughs> again. Um, <laughs> we're going to talk about At Your Own Risk, but before we talk about the new movie, um, I do. we were talking before, and John, i got to have you tell your story about your geocaching experience near, uh, not near your New Mexico, uh, we, that's your parents' place, I think. We'll talk near, about Near where I live. Yeah, uh, we'll yes. talk about your uh, finding of the Burt's Bees uh, container while you were geocaching. So, and your little <laughs> learning of your local history of that area. Uh, okay. Tell tell that story because it's it. I think people will really uh, uh, connect with that. So yeah. So when when we were trying to kind of early early stages of figuring out what at your own risk might be um, before anyone was involved beyond me and. Helena Santos and Alexandra Boylan. Um, we, we started doing some geocaching because I, I don't remember how it all came to be, but I told them, I was like, yeah, there's this app and like, you know, I have it. Sometimes you can just go and find things. And so we, we went around and started geocaching and we, I think we did three that I specifically <laughs> remember. And one was right near my apartment. I live on the edge of the LA river and there's a walking bridge that goes across the river from my kind of apartment complexy sort of cul-de-sac area, small apartments, you know, not conglomerate. Sure. And then across the bridge into um, like a nicer kind of neighborhood where it's like sprawling, you know, California neighborhood. Right. And uh, so I was like, hey, there's one just right down the street. So let's go. So we all went and it's on the bridge. So we walked over to the bridge. It's like, you know, literally half a block from where I live, walked down and onto the bridge. And then we had to find this geocache. And it said it was like, you know, we we're standing right where it says it is. We're right. using one of the geocache phone apps and we cannot find it. And the clue was something like, you gotta, I, I don't remember the clue, but it was, it was not this obvious, but it was something to the effect of like, it lies beneath or something like mm -hmm. that, you know? Right. And right. Uh, it was probably even less obvious than that. And mm -hmm. we finally figured out that, you know, there, it's weird. The, the, the bridge has these gates on either side that are, that are always locked closed. Like I've never seen them. I mean, not locked closed. They're always open. open. I've never seen them. 
Like they yeah, can lock a bridge on either side. And there is right. a sign that says bridge is closed from sundown to sunrise, you know, prosecute people, blah, blah, blah. Like, you right. know, <laughs> walk over it all night. No one ever, it, it's never, never, it's never enforced. closed. Right. Yeah. And, um, and, and how could it be? That's insane. You know, right. so it's like, right. I think what they mean is don't set up a tent on the bridge and live there, <laughs> right. but, um, which people would. So, I mean, right. I so, um, anyway, so we finally discover that it's underneath one of the actual iron, the, whatever these metal gates are that swing closed. It kind of mm-hmm. had like a, if you imagine an I-beam, you know how an I-beam mm-hmm. has like that kind of C-shape. Yeah. Sort of like half of that so it's a c-shaped kind of thing mm-hmm. and so the, the c is facing down and so there's like lips on the sides and um this geocache was on the gate portion of this that would be locked if they could lock it and it was just i, I described it as like the burt's beeswax like little quarter or half dollar size container that people can buy that's like you know 10 on yeah. either side closes up and it just had a magnet on it so it was stuck up under there and it took a long right. time for us to find it and um you know inside was just very simply the log sheet and um but, but it's so it's so rewarding right. when you find it though right oh it's so rewarding that's what's fun about <laughs> geocaching is when you finally some of them are hard and when you finally find it you're like yeah, yeah. And this, <laughs> i'm sure there's been some that i tried to find and i gave up on i was like forget this right <laughs> Start wondering, did someone steal it? Is it still here? Maybe it's not right. it. So anyway, we finally found it. And then um, we logged on in and said we found it and all that. And then the cool thing was on the app that we were using. Uh, I, I wish I could remember which app specifically. I don't remember at this time. I've gone through so many phones that I don't have it on my phone anymore at the moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, there was like a little bit of like insight and history that whoever booted mm-hmm. up had written. And right. so there was a history about the neighborhood because I always wondered why are these gates on the bridge if they're never ever locked? Like, it was weird. And the history was in this geocache thing where it said, at one point, the neighborhood petitioned the city to get the bridge closed at night because they were unhappy with the unsavory characters that would use the bridge essentially people that live in my neighborhood right just regular people living in apartments i think they're talking about coming across their neighborhood because my neighborhood in la parking can be really tricky and if you live in an area that's a lot of apartments there's not enough street parking for everybody right so people have started parking in the neighborhood so that they can walk across the bridge to their apartment and um we're all normal people. I'm sure there's a couple random weirdos. Who knows? But uh, so, so they got, they, you know, but when you live in a nice neighborhood, anyone that lives in the apartments is clearly a crazy person, you know? Clearly. And so, clearly. Uh, clearly. You know, the unfortunates across the bridge. So they got, so they got it. Uh, they got it. I'm speaking very hypothetically here. Obviously, of course. Of course. But um, uh, so at one point, the city had locked, had put these gates on and would lock them at night. And I don't know, or maybe it was locked permanently for a while or something really weird. Wow. Like, I think it actually was permanently locked for a while and it became a civil rights issue. And whoever had brought the civil rights issue against the city for locking it won because it was illegal to prevent people access across what it should be a public walkway, essentially. And so wow. now it's open again, but the gates still remain. Um, <laughs> crazy still remains but so it was cool to hear this history i was like oh okay i get it and i i can sense the neighborhood doesn't always love us you know i think they all think i'm a part of the neighborhood because i look crazy enough to be like a rich person that's living over there that's like disheveled you know right but, uh, that's, that's so you can go either way right yeah, crazy yeah. or rich and crazy yeah <laughs> uh, you know but that was to me was really cool it's like by doing this thing that is as simple as I want to go find a treasure. I actually learned something about my my 
my the culture of my neighborhood you know yeah um, so that's where to me it's like that's that's what really kind of started getting us even more excited about the geocache idea in a way and another time we uh went one to one that's near where alexandra lives and it was kind of creepy because it's also by the river a different area of the river and it's what they call the wash and uh it had uh it just you could just, like where it was hidden was kind of in like a den of where like a lot of transients you could tell were setting up shop no right. one was there but it just kind of had a creepy feel and we're like this is really cool like what if you had to do this you know Oh, that's true. You do learn uh, crazy stuff like that when you're. Yeah, it happens. You it get happens. all kinds of surprise places in your city that you didn't even know existed. Yeah, and that's what's so interesting, and like that's why geocaching is amazing. I think it really sold us on the idea of there's something here, and you know what ended up being the final movie was far removed from those stories, but that's how like anyone that's a creative knows is you start down one path and you kind of end up somewhere mm -hmm. else. And the trajectory makes sense to you, but you know, not everyone can see how they're related. Right. Well, we we hope that this will lead to you guys making some more geocaching movies because <laughs> there are precious precious few that right. are, so few. are out there. Right. I know, which I don't understand because it's it's kind of you know it's a it's a cool it's a cool sport. But anyway, well, a lot of people want to see this come into a series, so it'd be really fun to make it into a series and take the oh. geocaching even. There you go. Oh yeah, that's <laughs> on the table. Everything's on the table. We might make this into a series. There you, you go. Know, that would be cool. I like that you call it a sport. It never occurred to me to think of it that way, but it is. It's similar to like hiking and spelunking and stuff like mm -hmm. that. And I never thought of it as it is a sport, kind of. Yeah, I always, I always think of it as a sport. I always talk to it. Go ahead, Jesse, what were you going to say? Well, and it's what it, you know, that's, we, we joke about that sport, hobby, all that other stuff, but it's really dependent on how you do it. You know, there's, there's the ones that you just walk to, you know, that are a block from your house, and they're the ones that, um, you know, you kayak for a couple of days and climb mountains and do all that other stuff. So it's really user dependent, right? You can do whatever you want to do with it or for whatever ability you have. So in that case, it's a, it's a really neat inclusive hobby that can be for everybody. Yeah. Or, or sport, whatever you want to call it, you know? Right. Yeah. And, you know, and to be fair, I'm kind of a fledgling when it comes to geocaching compared to, I'm sure you guys, um, was it you guys who asked us about the coordinates in the film? Uh, yeah, I did because it's like, oh wow, are there other are, yeah. are there geocaches out there at the coordinates? It is like, well, I'll put it this way: I was wise enough when I was making up those coordinates because I used real coordinates, but I was yeah. wise enough to realize that I didn't want to use them around my parents' house because we filmed it kind of <laughs> mostly yeah. around my parents property. That's so true. I was like, someone's going to probably come out here, but it never. I I just kind of thought that as like a far-flung idea that it could happen oh <laughs> no it is yes. not far-flung so at all oh yeah it, but it makes sense you know and like it kind of shows how newbie i am at it in the sense that it didn't occur to me completely that it would happen but it was enough that i was like i'm not going to make it any property that's real here so those coordinates in the film all exist i think within the uh chihuahuan desert of new mm -hmm. mexico yes and, the park down there. Forest, and there is not anything hidden there yeah. So all you will do is spend a lot of time <laughs> going to a GPS coordinate, and it right. might be beautiful. Might but, be. You know, there's nothing there. There's no there. Yeah, no so, caches out there. But uh, without without jumping ahead into the film to give you an example of how pervasive that is in the geocaching culture, I watched the movie with my daughter, my 11 year old daughter, and uh, she immediately knew to pause the movie because we were going to look up where the coordinates were. <laughs> It, there was no hesitation. She's oh, so what's there? And we looked <laughs> up the Google satellite maps and everything. It's just 
It's okay. instinctual. If you see coordinates, awesome. you go, I need to know what's there. That's it's like I a, could that be a puzzle? You can't that. pass a puzzle by. So yeah, and yeah. You it, know, was, it was pretty funny. And that kind of drives Angie's character, who's played by Alexandra, in the movie a little bit too, you know? Like, mm -hmm. but what if? What if something's there? You know? Right. And it's very human nature, I think. What if? Mm -hmm. That's why we shake our present presents at Christmas. What if? You know? What if? <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, you know, that drives some people to madness and, you know, it, it drives <laughs> other people to envision, you know, a whole new way of or process or, you know, yeah. inventions or whatever else. So it's, it's that's an important question in <laughs> for humanity. But you know what? You've inspired me that if we ever make another one, I, I kind of do want to make it that the coordinates do have a geocache there. We should have, left, we should have left something in the coordinates. No, because I would have had to walk like a hundred miles. <laughs> you yeah. dedicated yourself to that, John. We walked a hundred miles anyway doing the movie. We should have walked another hundred miles. We didn't walk a hundred miles straight. <laughs> That's right. The you good know, thing is, we know a few people that would take it out there for you. Well, yeah, yeah, we, we know do. a few hundred or maybe, you know a couple thousand people that would take it out there for you. <laughs> maybe this is a cross collaboration in the future, where the next time we decide what the would be, and you guys are behind the geocache. Absolutely. No, we'd love well, that. What's funny about geocaching is there's, you know, there's the stuff in cities, but there's also, um, there is no place that geocachers don't go for this game that you get no money out of. <laughs> like literally Antarctica, all seven continents, wow. uh, Mount Everest. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it, there's no place anywhere that uh, geocachers don't go. Not everybody, obviously, right? I mean, right. that's that would be you know, death, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, there is literally no place that, you know, they won't travel for that kind of stuff. That's well, I'll true. tell you what, since, since the movie came out, like I have gotten, uh, it's slowed down a little bit now, but for a while I was getting multiple followers a day who all were geocached something in their, mm -hmm. in their, you know, handle on Instagram. <laughs> and I, a lot of them, I follow back just because, you know, I think it's cool and I like following yeah. people and Hey, if you want to follow me at John K D Graham, but anyway, um, yeah, we'll put that in the notes. Now we'll put that in the notes for sure. Yeah, so no, we, we will for these, sure. Of these, of these, uh, of these people geocaching, and I've been blown away by some of the things these people are doing in the clever hiding spots, and mm -hmm. it's, it's just passionate people blowing my mind. Yeah, and I love so, it. it. Makes me want to we, do more. We have a good question. Before we jump really good into the movie, uh, we have a good question from the chat room, and I'll let Gary uh, explain this one. But, but did you hear about the uh, ape cache promotion? When you were doing any research on geocaching, um, I didn't remember, but this was also a long time ago. It was almost three years well, ago at this point that we were yeah. doing this research. Uh, Gary can explain this and well, probably better than I can. So you'll you might be fascinated by this. Yeah, um, the reason they brought that up when geocaching first started was in two thousand. In two thousand and one, um, they were contacted about the movie if you remember uh the very first there have been several since but they did a remake of planet of the apes and it was in 2001 so a long time ago and so oh what, what you showing us there john Go i'm ahead. downloading the geocache app now sorry oh <laughs> sweet. there you go awesome man back in the game i love it but uh so the they were contacted by the uh the studio and they're like yeah, we're in. What do you want to do? Because they were fledgling. I mean, to, geocaching had just started, you know, like about a year. And this movie studio was contacting them going, hey, uh, as a promotion to Planet of the Apes, uh, would you guys be willing to place um, geocaches around the world? And they're like, sure, we're in. 
and they placed uh, 13 of these. Of course, you guys are familiar with the the ammo can because it's in the movie and everything. Mm-hmm. They 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 these are huge ammo cans. They're really weird looking. They're very tall, very tall geocache. Very tall, very tall ammo cans. Well, they placed them all over the world, and there's only two left. For a while, there was only one left. There's one in Brazil. And there's one up in Seattle, by the way. You're going to Seattle. You could run out be, to the... I'll be there tomorrow. <laughs> if you got a few nice. minutes, I'll send you the cords. And you, can, you have to walk through this old uh, abandoned railroad tunnel to cool. get to it. To get to the... T- it's good. You have to go through the tunnel of light, as they call it. But there's only two of them left in the world. But again, it was a, it was a cross-promotion for a movie. And um, there's a lot... You know, It's kind of neat that they did that. So, hey... You know, there's something in the future we could do a cross promotion. Uh, you know, with uh, with geocaching and and uh, maybe a future future movie. But uh, uh, one of the yeah, one of the interesting things about that for a long time there was they were down to one because you know they eventually disappeared, and people constantly all over the world went to find that one single one that was left because it in was Brazil. A, yeah, in Brazil, people, people are flying are to Brazil just to do this. Just to find That's, that yeah, one, just, that one geocache. Just because it was rare in the field at the time. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. But yeah. So yeah. Um, so we're going to now sort of dive into the movie and talk about the movie now. We were almost this far into it. We're almost an hour in. We're going to talk about the movie now. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, kudos to you guys from, from for treating geocaching correctly. Um, we've read mm-hmm. books before where they don't treat it correctly. You guys did Ugh. such a great job. I know D- Jesse's cringing because we've all heard. Yeah, all- we've seen some terrible. Like they must have Wikipedia it and thought, "Oh, that's enough research." That's, that's There's enough. only a million people out there playing this game. Wikipedia is cool. Let's just yeah, go with close that. Close enough. But <laughs> because of, um, and we're we're not gonna we're not gonna give away spoilers, but we are gonna kind of delve no, no, into no. a little bit of it. We're not gonna get away, but. Because of the fact that it's not true geocaching, you guys did such a great job of explaining it and then having it not be true geocaching. And so uh, even Susan, my wife, mentioned that, you know, they did a great job of, of mentioning and y'all did mm-hmm. a perfect job because, you know, without, you know, there's there's stuff that you can't put in a geocache that you guys even talk about in the movie and uh, there, there's at one point, there's a one point where Alexandra and Helena are out there. And I think, uh, Alexandra says, well, maybe it's, or either, either Taylor or Angie in the movie says, maybe it's buried. And the other one goes, you can't bury a geocache, right? Right. I say maybe it's buried. And she says, because you can't, you can't bury a geocache. You're like, well, and then you, you, you snap back. You're like, well, this isn't strictly geocaching. Is it? It's like, <laughs> That was actually specifically written because we realized we couldn't get bogged down on what geocache had to be, but also, Mm -hmm. um, and it didn't serve the story as perfectly because the truth was there weren't rules with this company. You know, the company was not to give it away. It's like, it's not Mm -hmm. truly geocache. It's their own game. Right. 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 And, um, uh, there was the, the four of you, it was, it was, it was the, uh, the the brothers and sisters four you know like in the movie Thor they talk about the uh, the four of them it was, it was the four of you guys and gals out in New Mexico out in the desert yeah literally just water, 
just the four of y'all wandering around. Yeah. So it was just four of us. It was the two actors, and then Rick Galley was running all yeah. thing camera, and I was running sound. And I mean, in the sense, I was directing that uh, I see my job as director to kind of guide the ship. But all mm-hmm. of us had creative input in many, many things. That's awesome. And we had to because it's just there's so few of us, and you know, like yeah. It, it was important. Um, but we literally had to carry all our own water out there like, yeah. for a while sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the, there's a funny story about the drone. Um, mm-hmm. we, uh, we hiked really far up to this hill. And uh, it wasn't that far, but it was pretty far for all of us because everyone's carrying all the equipment. And John's mm-hmm. carrying the drone in the um, drone case and we get to the top of the hill and we're going to shoot the scene and John opens up the opens up the case and there's no drone in it. No drone. It's gone. I was like, I thought it felt kind of light. I thought it was getting stronger. (laughs) Right. We were getting delirious though. He's like, I couldn't tell if it was light or I'm just getting really strong. (laughs) (laughs) And to like the average person that hears the story is like, well, you're an idiot. You know, which and the answer is you're <laughs> correct. I'm an idiot. You know, however, it's also it's like when there's only four people doing a lot of work, sometimes that's when things start sliding out of control a little bit, you know. You can't remember uh, everything. Right? Yeah, there's no way. Well, so how far not to not to ruin any movie magic, but how far were y'all actually away from like roads? I mean it's in the movie it seems like they're, you know, in the middle of the desert in the middle of nowhere. Obviously that's the point of it, but how far were y'all actually away and having to carry all this gear? It, it depends on the moment. Um, a lot of stuff we shot around my parents' property and I, mm-hmm. luckily I grew up there. So I knew it like the back of my hand. So I knew where we could go to shoot what, right. uh, but all of it was, I'd say in a fairly, uh, maybe no more than a football field circle circumference around my parents' property. Mm-hmm. However, like the top of the hill she's talking about is on my parents' property, but it takes, you know, 30 to 45 minutes to hike to the top of it. Mm. Um, the the stuff that happens around the water source that's in the film, that mm. was probably one of the bigger hikes in the sense that we had to drive to this location. And then, you know, car the car was our home base. And it may not have been a huge distance down to that place, but the the access to it was very 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 difficult like a lot of scrambling down like dirt cliff sides and mm-hmm. um, you know like hardware like, yeah. fences to climb up and down like mm-hmm. crazy stuff yeah I'll yeah we have a behind the scenes um, featurette that people can get on our website and you can see like literally us trekking down this hiking into the area where the waterfall was it was quite a hike and we even said maybe we didn't think this through and like we were like <laughs> down but how are we going to get up with all the equipment when we're finished doing it there's a time where john's like maybe we should have brought some ropes or something because getting down is one thing but then getting back out of the area with the waterfall and we shot like how many acres of land is that area that we got to use john was like 300 acres of land yeah i don't remember specifically I think like 300 acres of land that um is owned by the national historical society actually and they let us uh use some of their property to shoot on that oh, was very that, cool yeah yeah i, I don't want to men- mention a couple items as we uh, take a pause and mention that um a couple things one is i really recommend people buy the whole bundle and we're gonna have we'll have the sh- in the show notes all the links um to where you can buy you can buy it on different formats if you want to buy the itunes you can buy it on amazon or vimeo see i like the vimeo one personally because you can get the whole 
bundle with the with the director's cut, which is really what I I really enjoyed, and also. Um, Helena wanted to mention hi Helena no, she's, she's, uh, she mentioned she goes do not forget to mention to the listeners that if they leave a review on Amazon, iTunes or IMDB and you email a screen capture of that published review to at your own risk movie that's all one word of course at your own risk movie at gmail.com then you guys can send them the private link to the behind the scenes video that's right so very cool please do that i'm gonna do that because i I want the behind the scenes because i watched the director's cut and you guys did a great director's cut i mean i've seen a lot of director's cuts of movies and you guys really did a good job um uh, you, you you talked a little uh, movie. You did some movie ease the John, which I really appreciate because I find it interesting. So, y'all talked about lenses and some cool stuff that you know it's very it's very behind the scene. You know, uh, yeah. mo- movie magic. You know, that's like oh, you had to switch. We didn't switch to the lens till here. And it's like, oh, that's yeah. cool. It's like, yeah. this is awesome. So, and one thing you mentioned, uh, John, in the movie that I didn't, you don't think about until somebody mentions it. And that is, you had to have a drone for your drone. Yeah. Drone on drone. Because you had to have drone footage of the drone. So you don't think about that kind of stuff until, until later. That's Cause, funny. Because the drone. Yeah. The drone and, is a character. Go ahead, John. The drone's a character in the movie. Yep, and yep. you have to shoot the drone with something. So <laughs> right. <laughs> Two things like the the drone on drone was fun because that's where you know DP Richard Galley and I were both flying drones to make that happen. So we didn't have like two drone operators come in. You know, it was just us doing it. Um, and uh, I've been fortunate to have a lot of experience flying drones, um, just you know, small ones, nothing like crazy big. Yeah. Um, just, just so all the parents out there know, playing video games helped me be a very good drone pilot. By the way, so video games See, there you go. amount See? to something, mom. You know? That's right. Um, but uh, the other fun thing was I got to operate the drone as an actual character in the film. You know, mm-hmm. it's like when that drone is in the film, yeah, it, it's being created by me. You know, it's like it's it's really it was a really fun culmination, I guess, of just that. You know, yeah, absolutely. Does the drone have a character name then? Um, I don't know if we had a name for it. Do is it the real name of the drone? No, I don't think so. We should have named it. I know. I mean, I I name my drones, but just John John the drone. I don't know. (laughs) I believe the because why would you name your drone? Well, the drone that appears in the in that risk is named Anna, and I named it after uh, the main character of Wish for Christmas because I got that drone when we filmed Wish for Christmas, so I just named it the main character's name. So it did actually have a name then. It did. It's it's Anna, and and then so then I think actually in that sense the the drone that filmed the other drone I think I might have called it AYOR. It might have been named AYOR actually, which mm-hmm. is our slang for at your own risk. You know AYOR. Oh, yeah. oh, we have to make code names for our films because it takes too long to say at your own risk. So we call it AYOR. And like uh, wish for Christmas was wish X. You know we just call it wish X. You know? Oh, that's good. Yeah, you have to tell Anna Fricks that she has a drone named after her. I know <laughs> she doesn't probably, probably know because it was named that when we filmed it. But oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah, 
Um, all right. So the whole opening the- wish for Christmas, you, you know, the opening yeah. wish for Christmas, that's all John's drone work of going oh, cool. around Massachusetts shooting mm-hmm. all those exteriors. Which oh, yeah. Cool. That's such a great start to that movie too. It really sets where you are. I mean, yeah, yeah. you, you get good. a real sense for, you know, and, and um, you know, uh, the beginning of AYOR, I'm getting real like at the link. Oh, I like going. it. You're like, it. <laughs> I know. I feel like I'm insider now. I feel like, it, yeah, I'm part of AYOR now. I just wanted to mention. Uh, right, Gary wants know, a credit in the next movie. On the inside. Hey, it's true. We would, No, I'm kidding. Um, you know, again, that's another without, again, we're not giving spoilers, but the beginning of the movie, you're like, boom, you're in, you know, Vegas. And we won't talk about why, but, um, you know, in, in the whole, that whole, that whole sequence with Alexandra really is a great setup because you need, you, you know, and you're like, Ooh, well, what's going on here? You know? And so, um, and you, you get, the director's cut's great. Cause you get to find out all this cool info about, <laughs> about the movie. It's like that literally happened to her in the movie. The part that I'm not going to tell I think, I, think, I think when you say the director's cut, I think you mean the commentary. The commentary, not the director's yeah. cut. Yeah, the commentary. Just making sure, I think it's labeled commentary yeah. if they go to the Vimeo. Yeah, go, yeah, go by the commentary. Yeah. Well, uh, a little insider into the movie um, is that we had a couple different opening ideas, and we actually mm-hmm. had a couple different ending ideas. Yeah. So we um, shot we were, different ones, right? Yeah, we were originally going to shoot a totally different. It was written to be a different opening. And then John and I happened to be going to Vegas. So we were like, why don't we just shoot in Vegas? And, um, but, and the funny thing is I really did swipe my card to get money and it did decline. And John was like, I just got that on camera. It's like, like, wait a minute, but really my card's declined. He's like, use it, act, act. Yeah, act, keep going. (laughs) (laughs) You're on, go. I was like, why is my card declining? Yeah, but wait, why is the card? No, no, keep going. Don't break, yeah. don't break that, character. Don't break character. Keep going. So I have to ask. So you started going with that. Did you already have that? And I'm not going to say what it was, but that part written, or did you write it in after that happened? The opening or the ending? The, the, I mean, the reason for the card. I'm not oh, I'm trying not to all, give anything away. That was already in the script. Like that. Okay. Okay. You just seized on the opportunity. You didn't oh, okay. change yeah. the script based Andrew on that. Okay. Boylan put that into the story, and I think that when we were trying to figure out what the beginning could be, that mm. was sort of something that just sort of it's sort of a lot of the movies that Alexandra and I make. There's there's things that sometimes change or get filled in on set. And it's mm-hmm. one of the advantages of being an auteur in the sense that, you know, we are in charge start to finish of the story that, you know, Hollywood doesn't always have that advantage because there's a lot of contractual obligations of how, what can you and can't you do with blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. that makes sense to protect people, but we have the advantage that we can throw anything out anytime we want and replace it with anything we want just about, you know, and, and sometimes, sometimes that's necessary because not everything always goes the way you think it will. And it doesn't always play out the way you think it will. So mm-hmm. we- you, yeah, and you had some some very uh, you had some what I called or put in the notes as happy accidents in yeah, the film. Happy accidents. Happy accidents. One, uh, I, I want to go through those real quick. One of them was at the beginning of the movie uh, or beginning sequence of being out in the out in the desert. There's a sign that says "Watch for water." Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Not yeah. really there, and it, how, just, was yeah. great, it just was a great. 
set piece that looks like we have a seat. That's what we do. We shoot indies like we have a million dollar budget because we go from, like you right. know, happy accidents that like Inc- the water, water is such a great entrance into the whole, you know, yeah. Because most people are going to be like, oh, they went and bought a, you know, they, they, they had to pay for all that. And it's like, no, no, that sign was there. Watch for water. And it's like, no, actually, I have a story about that exact location if you want me to tell it real quick. Yeah, right? go so ahead. That, you that's, bet. That's a, that, that area we shot in is a, uh, a little creek bed crossing that is a weird offshoot of the road the highway-ish road that goes up to my parents' house. Okay. And uh, it's sort of like a shortcut to just a different area of the village that's nearby that mm-hmm. the main road would take you to, but it just is sort of a different cut through. Right. And uh, when I was a kid, uh, one time my dad was driving through that crossing when a flash flood hit Ooh. and I was in a baby seat oh. like next to him. And he like the car stalled out and he like had to get out of the car and get me out before the car washed down that road. No down way. that creek bed so it's like mm. it's literally serious when it says watch for water oh my gosh wow yeah. i forgot about it till just now <laughs> i mean i don't remember it but i remember the story yeah the story wow wow yeah um and um the um the abandoned car yeah out there works perfect uh yeah which we is did, go ahead we did, that. we did scout that a little bit like we yeah went out scouted that but i mean that's what's great about the middle of nowhere new mexico there's a ton of stuff like that like i really want to do a post-apocalyptic movie in new mexico because you can go for a hike and just find like abandoned little cities like even stuff yeah Yeah. even by johnson's house there's like an abandoned little like almost like it looks like an old um town but it's just like three houses with a with a pick with a fence but it's all dilapidated and just sitting there and it's like fun to go and explore that stuff and we were i mean the car location was incredible but yeah it's just it's just sitting there we should have left the cash in the car for people to go find it exactly (laughs) which is funny because it fits into the movie but then it also fits inside the movie because you even say hey um this work this is a great you know they this uh, marketing company did a great job of putting these things out here. You are using these, yeah, set decks, you know, and so yeah. that and the abandoned building. Is that really an abandoned building? It really it's, is. So that that property is. Um, I don't. I don't remember. Are we allowed to say what that property is? It's credited in the movie. It doesn't say specifically where that one is. Yeah. That's that's part of the old Lalu's pottery. Mill. Oh, okay. It's, it's um. It's a place that back in the turn of the century would make pottery. And yeah. uh, so that was just one of the buildings that was there on the property that it's not abandoned in the sense that mm-hmm. there's a, there's a company, there's not a company, there's a historic restoration thing that owns it. Um, yeah. But they just haven't done anything uh, with it. Maybe no one lives point. there. No one yeah. uses it more than right. like a store. Over the property, yeah. Right. Works perfect for the movie. I mean, once again, for all the cashers that are going to watch this, don't go to these places. They're not. They're not kidding. There's nothing hidden there. Shot the movie. Do not go there. There's nothing hidden. But if you do go to New Mexico and go to La Luz, there is a uh, the La Luz pottery that I think you can go tour and stuff. Like for my drum playing in their museum now we traded them my drone footage to shoot there, oh so. very cool um, so like that some of these things are real that you can go see oh you know? absolutely and, well it's and funny it one of the oldest stage coaches still standing is on that property mm. oh wow that is, awesome. that is awesome yeah. yeah it's funny watching um the movie uh, uh and susan 
uh, watched. I watched it, and then she watched it recently. I said, I said, take a look at toward the beginning of the movie. I said, take a look at where they stop or they they have the shot of. And when we were, Susan and I were much younger before the kids were around. We moved to San Bernardino, California, and and, mm-hmm. and worked in San Bernardino. And as we were traveling out I ten, uh, we kept seeing signs for the thing. What yes. is it? <laughs> what is it? <laughs> hey, what's the sign say on the billboard? What is yeah, it? What is it? And, and what's funny is it's in the movie. I'm like, I turned to her and I said, I can't believe that the thing is still out in New Mexico because it's probably one of the last vestiges of like the true side side road attraction. Thing. Yeah, it's like it, and it's 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 awesome. And as a kid, I would always see it too, like on road trips with my family, and it just was so tantalizing. What right. is it? You what know? is the it? Thing. Stop and see the thing. Big signs for the thing. Stop and see the thing. It's awesome. And make sure if you stop that you talk to the people that work there about stories about the The, like the 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 thing thing and what happens at night. It's awesome. (laughs) Yes, great stories. So worth the trip out there. It's awesome. I've done the thing. You got you got to stop there for that. So all right. So as we get to the. The end of the movie again. We're not giving away the ending. It's a little surprise ending. I was surprised. I was surprised. Susan yeah. usually, you, Susan usually, my wife usually figures out um, endings before I do. She didn't figure it out. Wow, that's uh, awesome. Jesse, were you su- surprised? Uh, I'm going to say that I figured out part of it, and my daughter figured out part of it. Oh, so well, you guys are good. And we were watching. We we intentionally waited until today. To watch it, we've known about it for a long time. We were intentionally waiting until the day right before the show to watch it. So I can't say anything of what we knew without spoiling yeah. it. So I was thinking about that earlier, how I was going to be able to say that, and I can't. So I'm impressed that you guys both figured out a part of it. That's pretty good. That's really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we're puzzle people, so they are puzzle people. <laughs> yeah. well, when, it, when we're off air, you'll have to tell us because I yeah. want to. Yeah. yeah. And I can't even. But... Ex- Sorry. Go ahead. You go. you can't explain it with I couldn't. Think of, you no. can't explain it without spoiling it and we, we you can't give any clues like that to our audience or they'll know exactly they'll what's know going exactly. on. They'll know exactly. Yeah. Um yeah. couple items as we sort of get to the end of our our podcast and again it, it goes quick. I told Alexander and she knows she's she's podcast before, but um couple things. You guys roped in some people at the end that I thought was kind of cool that you mentioned and I'm glad you mentioned them in the commentary. Um but um, Chelsea Crockett mm-hmm. is a uh, is in the movie, which is very cool um, for those that are familiar with her um, and her. Which, go ahead, Jesse. I did. I'll, I'll admit, I had no idea who she was. However, my daughter, of course, knew immediately. She was like, "Hey, hey so, Chelsea cool. Crockett." <laughs> That's awesome. And Chelsea Crockett's in Wish for Christmas. Mm. Oh, okay. Okay. Who's the girl they bully in high school? That oh, they, that's right. That's her. I'm sorry to her. That's Chelsea. That's Crawford. funny. Oh my gosh, that's true. I didn't think about that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, we 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 casted her in Wish for Christmas and became actually really good friends with her and her family, very dear friends. And then we called her and said, "Hey, you want to do a fun cameo in our new movie?" And she was like, "I'm up for it." And it works perfectly. For it does. So. It does. That is awesome. And then uh, Helena's dad is in it. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. I love him so much in that too. He's perfect. He's so yes. good. And my niece is in it. The little yep. girl in the snow. That's my niece. So oh, niece. it was fun 
to get different terrains of like. You might be saying oh, too much already. Probably. No. Yeah. no. <laughs> uh, you know what? They're just going to have to watch the movie. Some of them already have in the chat room, but they're just going to have to watch the movie if they want to find out what's going on with that. Yeah. But I, I liked I liked how you included uh, a little bit of things. I like the Miz and the Biz backdrop thrown yeah. in there. Yeah. Well, the awesome. truth is that that was an example of us shooting from the hip where we were at a Miz and the Biz event mm-hmm. and had the opportunity to collect some footage for the film. That is awesome. You know? if, in fact, I was yeah. going to talk a little bit as we're getting sort of starting toward the end, but talk a little bit about Miz and the Biz, if you would, please. Well, Helena created Ms. in the Biz. Helena Santos, who's amazing, incredible. Um, and she, you know, she, I don't know, it's been many years now, like since mm-hmm. 2011. She oh, started. wow. Okay. And um, just kind of trying to, she had all these amazing women in the film industry that were friends that were working and had a lot of knowledge. And she just thought of an idea of bringing everyone together to start writing articles, to inspire women, to get mm-hmm. behind the camera, to encourage each other. And she started this sort of online blog called Ms. in the Bayless. And I think it's read by over half a million people. Mm-hmm. And um, it's I've been writing for it since the beginning when I first met Helena out in Los Angeles. And it's grown to become a huge community mm-hmm. of inspiring women and also men. It's actually, I think, read more by men than women, which is really <laughs> awesome. And um, I mean, we were go- I was going to the three-year anniversary party and my Uber driver was like, oh, where are you going? I was like, I'm going to the Miz in the Biz party. And she's like, I read Miz in the Biz. <laughs> That's I'm awesome. super proud of because she created that. And it's really gone on to, to, to really touch a lot of people. And it's a great resource to, I mean, people talk about everything from casting to directing to pre-production to post-production and people telling their war stories and then inspiring, encouraging other people to go out there and do it. So if you check out MizInTheBiz.com, it's got... I mean, a plethora of articles you can read. That's awesome. Yeah, that's um, th- that's wonderful that you guys do that and uh, are are involved with that. I I I um, I, th- I think it's it it helps all of us if we can encourage varying um, parts of you know whether it be you know, young directors or old directors or women and men. And I mean, there's, it's, it means a lot, I think to really the community of in, in movies and movie watchers. It really, I think adds uh, a depth and, and the, the diversity I think really makes for a more richer experience for all of us. Yeah. And I think that what's so exciting about at your own risk, which I'm sure a lot of people say, see it. It's like seeing two women go on an adventure where they're mm-hmm. not, Scared, and they're not half naked. My mm-hmm. brother Andrew Boylan wrote the script and he did an incredible job. They never talk about men. <laughs> and that's like so awesome. Usually they'd be like, Where well, my boyfriend hasn't called or something stupid. And right. like, I love it. And then when we showed At Your Own Risk at the Artemis Film Festival in Santa Monica, John, Rick, and Helen and I stood up to speak and we had some friends there who she, they had their 14 year old daughter was with them. And she said she got in the car and she felt inspired to, uh, she ended up you, uh, enrolling in the UCLA film school for like awesome. high school students because she felt inspired that women could do it. Cause she saw women and men up beside, next to each other working together. So at your own risk is also just awesome. Cause it's two women, two men, men who champion women and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and like you said, inspiring young girls to be like, you can do this, you know, it's, it's possible too. So 
Very cool. Yeah, it is. And they're not just subplots to something else. They're not explaining characters that they're their own character. So that's not always portrayed right. Exactly. Usually, you know, women are there to move the men's story along. So Mm -hmm. it's exciting. Women usually Hollywood would make this movie with two guys. And that's right. This one passed the litmus test, so it's okay. Exactly. (laughs) What were you saying, John Graham? Did I interrupt you? No. No. Uh, I was just uh, agreeing. Absolutely. And then um, mentioned uh, the book too, Alexandra. We want to put that in the show notes as well. Your- um, my book my book or Helena. Well, so Helena and I co-collaborated on a book called Thriving in Hollywood, Tenacious mm-hmm. Tales from Ms. in the Biz. And that is a collection of our, our articles from the site. And it's kind of like our love letter to young aspiring filmmakers. We, you know, I'm 39 and I wish we both the hell and I were like, you know, what would we have told ourselves when we were 20? So that's kind of a love letter to people starting off of like, here's everything I wish I knew 20 years ago. And then I ended up publishing a book called create your own career in Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's on Amazon. And that's all that's pretty much that book really uh, takes you from when John and I made home sweet home all the way to, to now with wish for Christmas. Mm. Kind of people mm-hmm. always ask, can I take you to coffee and pick your brain? And I just don't have time to do that. So I'm like, no, go buy my book. And it tells you literally how John and I have taken our career from home sweet home all the way to wish for Christmas. That is awesome. Very cool. Uh, yeah. Um, all right. We're going to, we'll wrap up. Um, so let's, um, I guess I'll start and we'll go to Jesse. Oh, wait. Oh, look, <laughs> is that yeah. the ones around you now? See, that see, is Phoenix. There I'm you in are, Phoenix John. right now. Look at all those geocaches in Phoenix. <laughs> Come on, guys. Get busy. Get out there. Go find them. That's right. <laughs> there you go. There's tons all around you. That's the thing about geocaching is people don't realize the, yeah. the, the, the all the geocaches that surround a person. It's, it's you know, it's amazing. That's always that funny surprise when people get into the game and they're like, well, that, you know, that's, that sounds like, that sounds pretty neat. Where are they? Oh, um, on your block. They're yeah. everywhere, <laughs> everywhere you are. You, you've like, been by no. them a lot and didn't know about it. You've walked right past them and never noticed it. Yeah. And then, then you start noticing, you're like, oh, yeah. like all sorts of size, all sizes from the ammo can all the way down to really, 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 really tiny ones like nanos. Well, that's so. one of those you can't unsee things. So once yeah. you see it, you're like, oh, yeah, you already knew. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um <laughs> All right, so I'll start, I'll Jesse, and then I'll have the, the two of you uh, kind of give sort of a final final thoughts. So I'll give my final thoughts. Um, again, everybody needs to go, you know, I, I would say buy it because you really, you really kind of want to watch it a couple times to get a, a real feel for uh, for the movie, I think, is, uh, is to purchase it. My opinion is to get the bundle. You can buy them in different ways. Uh, again, it'll always, it'll, uh, somebody mentioned to me the other day, how do you buy it? And I sent him a link, sent him several links, but they'll also be in the show notes. You can always go to geocachetalk.com, go to this show, the show 124, and you can find the show notes and you can do the links from there. So we always keep that on the website. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and you can always, also, just email us. A lot of people do that, too, at geocachetalk at gmail.com, and we can get you any information that you're wanting. Um, I'm so glad that we've – it's so sad we've come to the end of this. Uh, it's been a culmination <laughs> culmination for, for me of about a year, a culmination for you guys of about three years. Uh, but um, it's been – it's been fun. Hopefully we keep in touch a little bit uh, as time goes on because, uh, you know, it's um, 
it's been fun just interacting with y'all. Um, I even taught John about cow catchers. He didn't even know what a cow catcher was the other, the other day. The the little ant that you saw that. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, actually, look cow it up. killer. It's sorry, wasp, it's in the wasp family. Apparently, yes, it's in the wasp family. Yeah. That's cow right. Killer. You and I were chatting about it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. You that's right. Info. I had no idea. Yeah, that's one of my favorite things to me. That was my geocache of the film. When I saw that thing running across the dirt, I made Rick Galley change lenses, like change what the plan was. I think I really irritated him, but I was like, we have to shoot this. I was like corralling <laughs> it in my hands on the ground until we could get the shot. Right, right. Yeah, it's it's awesome. Uh, and um, again, uh, just amazing. We we thank you guys so much. Uh, um, and uh, it was. It was really neat. I think you guys did a great job. Again, surprise ending. And at first, I'm like, sort of, it's sort of jolt. This is sort of a jolt of the whoa, uh, uh, what's going on? And then afterward, you kind of stop and you go, wow, I want to watch that part again because you did a great job on the ending. I think, and I know there's like three endings. I, I'd like to. I really hope that we can someday see different endings uh, <laughs> inclu included in uh, uh, the Blu-ray. But um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, all right. So Jesse, uh, your, your final thoughts. Uh, I would say well done movie. Uh, even if it didn't mention, mention geocaching in it, still a good movie, right? But the fact that you mentioned geocaching in it and for, for our audience, um, you did it well, right? So we've seen so many people that just try to do it as a gimmick. Cause they're like, Oh, there's this game where a million people were playing it. So let's, let's do that as a hook. And they have no idea what they're talking about. If you're going to, you know, if you're going to mention something for a niche audience, at least get some of it right. Y'all got it right. So it was really good. And, uh, you know, in a, it's not it's geocaching, but it's not geocaching. But you did a good job talking about geocaching when it wasn't even geocaching. So that was pretty cool. Um, that was a neat way to do it. Um, and that part will give it credibility, at least for our people. Mm -hmm. And uh, but it's a, it's a good standalone movie anyway. I mean, it's a fun movie. Like I said, we just got done watching it today. I watched it with my eleven year old and my eighteen year old's gonna watch it later. She's the one that could identify, you know, the uh the Chelsea Crockett person that I had no idea. I, I'm just too old. Um but uh no, good job. And I don't think we even got into it. We may have talked about it before we went live or whatever, but y'all really did this with a small number of people and a small budget, and it's professional looking and I mean it's 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 a real movie. And it, it's amazing to me. You know, you hear these movies that cost five million or fifty million dollars or whatever that yeah who knows right yeah. um you're like yeah i don't think they did that i don't think they had that extra fifty million dollars laying around to make this movie and but y'all made a good fun movie that's appropriate and that people can watch and you know it's not yeah whole family you can mentioned watch. too yeah it's not two strong lead female characters and without spoiling anything that means a lot to somebody that has daughters and stuff like that so mm -hmm. good cool. job on it Thank you. Yeah. So you guys can, uh, as you, the two of y'all sort of wrap up or give your final thoughts. Y'all can also, John, you can, if you want to mention uh, about the budget, I think that's, that that's uh, amazing to, to talk about as well. If you want to mention that and also kind of give final thoughts uh, about, uh, about the movie. And sure. Um, I, I think the first thing I'll say is um, just realize that everyone involved in making this film is probably could probably all fit into a 15 passenger van together. Wow. So let's say about, you know, 15 people made this film start to finish and I'm generalizing here, but that's sure. probably about right. Give or take, mm -hmm. it could be more, it could be less, but very few people. 
And um, this is a true mom and pop movie in the sense that there's no distributor, there's no like marketing team, like everything that's happening is all just the people that made this film. Um, mm. So, you know, I know there's a lot of people who are like, oh, wait till it's on Netflix. And like, you know, the answer is until Netflix makes us an offer, it's probably not going on Netflix. You right, know? Right. And what we're trying to do is to, to, to prove to other people that this is a, if this works, then we can just keep making movies this way, right. knowing that that's how I'll pay my crew later. Cause we didn't pay anyone to do it. So, right, right, um, right. you know, and I, uh, so I guess at the end of the day, that's that to me, that's exciting because it opens a horizon for filmmakers that, uh, right now, no one knows how to do it if they don't have a distributor or something like that. Yeah. Um, so the support of the community is huge. It's super important to us to make this be a success, but it's already a success because the movie's out there and people like it. So, you know, oh, yeah. that's great. Even when people don't like it, I still like that because if there wasn't a movie to not like, then we wouldn't have done anything. So, <laughs> right. it's um, true. But uh, you know, you can't please everyone, and I think it's really fun and it's different, and it's something Hollywood would never dare to try to do. At the end of the day, yeah. Um, so, and it tells a positive message that's that's like you like you guys said, anyone can watch it. It's not there's nothing there that you could shy away from ultimately. And um, it, if it wasn't for the the passion and the love of the filmmakers that joined us on this journey, it would never, ever have happened. So mm-hmm. especially, you know, Alexandra and Helena Santos for helping carry me through it. And then you guys for like being that kind of passionate to keep hounding us in a good way about like, hey, let's put you on the show. Let's talk about it. Like we were afraid that you guys would forget about us because we're like, oh, oh no. my gosh, it's going to be like, do they know it's going to be like two years until this happens? <laughs> no, yeah. No. Uh... Yeah. But, uh, uh, but no, it was, it was, it was a passion project for us. And I'm really thankful for you guys to have us on the podcast and I'm excited to uh, listen to more of you guys too. Oh, appreciate that. You bet. Alexandra, you get the last word. Oh, wow. Well, first off, I want to give a huge shout out for Helena Santos because she connected with you and it's all mm-hmm. on her for being flipping awesome because she is super awesome. You guys will love her and hopefully you'll get to do a show with her. Yeah. Uh, also, she was really also, a shout out to her for being really careful on set to say, you know, this isn't true geocaching. And she was actually the one who really made sure we did it correctly. And I, I want to make sure that we mm-hmm. give her credit for that. And also, I think, you know, it's like what John said, this isn't a true Hollywood film. And in a way, that's good because we allowed everyone who worked on the film to have a lot of creative say. Um, Rick, Richard Galley as a cinematographer had a lot of creativity behind the camera that John and him worked really well together. Our editor, Lex Benedict, she even said, I came on this project because, you know, when I get hired for a job, I get told how to edit. We handed her the footage and said, go be creative and do it. And same with this, uh, the sound designer and the, and the composer. And so that's where we, when we get to make a film as a team where everyone gets to be creative, that's something you don't get on those big Hollywood sets because somebody is dictating how it's all done. And that's why we want to be able to continue to create where our whole team brings their creative incredibleness to it, which brings an amazing film at the end. Right. So, um, so yeah, th- thanks for supporting our film and talking about it and everyone tell your friends, re- rate it, review it. Cause it really is just our little 15 people who did this. That's Actually, awesome. and I, I will, one quick call to action. Yeah, if, if you people bet. People are willing to share it in any way on social media or anything like that. We need mm-hmm. that because Hollywood spends millions of dollars to get the word out. And we're relying on, me and Alexandra and Helena and our small team and anyone that is excited to talk about it, you know? And us. So, well, yeah, we're, we're on board. We're, well, we're you know, for sure. Team. 
Mm-hmm. And like, we're super thankful to be on your podcast because you guys are oh, not yeah. only recognizing us for something that we thought was an interesting idea to add to it, uh, but also this it's it's huge to get to connect with your audience. And they're all, you know, you know, excitable, awesome people that do an amazing sport. I know now it's a sport. Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> there you it's go. really cool. Um, so I'm glad that we got in our small way to be a part of the community somehow. So yeah. And thanks for supporting serious, real, true, independent filmmaking. This mm-hmm. is real. independent. You know, Sundance says they're independent. They're not, they're taking movies with big star names and big budgets. But if you like our movie, help us keep being able to bring quality entertainment to people without it getting destroyed by a studio. Because yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so supporting us is you're supporting true indie people who really did it ourselves with a stick and a rock. That's what I say. I'm like, we have a stick and a rock and we made a movie. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Yes. Um, yeah, so much. Um, and you know, thank you guys for, for doing something like this. And yeah, we're, we're definitely, there was, um, I, I, I sent the note to you guys and you got to interact a little with Scott, um, uh, who, um, you know, he did an event to watch the movie. And so we really, yeah, encur- yeah we really encourage people to, to do that. And, uh, this weekend, um, it got, uh, mentioned a lot, uh, and um, because of um, geocachers have something called GIF, the Geocaching International Film Festival, which yeah. was this weekend, and so oh. a lot of people got to watch uh, movies that were made by geocachers, uh, mm-hmm. and so geocaching.com does a, a uh, they send out basically a, a, a montage of these films in a GIF event, geocaching international film festival. So, um, you know, we're going to, we're going to work with you guys to talk with geocaching.com and try to work with our community to make sure and get this movie, uh, into more hands and to, and for people to see this because, uh, it's a geocaching movie. I mean, I, I, you know, it's, it's a different kind of geocaching movie, but it really is. So we've embraced it and we, 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 uh, we're, we're definitely on board to, to, uh, continue it. That's Thank awesome. So Thanks. Much. Yeah. There's, it's some of those resources we don't even know exist. So that's really cool. Yeah. Wish we had known about the film festival. We should have probably put it in there. But oh, that's okay. Yeah. We're rolling next year. Yeah. Maybe next year. Um, that's awesome. And just so everyone knows, like leaving the reviews is really helpful to us yes. because all Amazon and iTunes all have algorithms. And mm-hmm. yep. Oh, that's, oh my gosh. That's my alarm going off. I mean, not my, that's my fire thing. No, oh, the smoke from the California fires. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm gonna go outside. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, it, it helps us get up higher in the ratings. So if you know, okay. leave, leave a review. No matter what you want to say, any sort of review actually helps us. So okay, cool. Thank uh, you so much, you guys. Hey, you guys, it's been a pleasure. This is awesome. Yeah, we appreciate. It. Oh yeah, very much. Uh, yeah. We'll we'll keep in touch. Uh, so uh, upcoming show. So next week we've got uh, our big reveal wrap up show. Um, we're giving away. We're doing. Without going into full explanation tonight, um, people know that we're doing this uh, geocache stash. Um, we've stashed six caches or stashes in the in the lower forty-eight, and um, we're giving away the last clues next week. So that's our big reveal wrap-up show. All the rest of the clues come out next week, so it'll be very exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, for somebody to find one of our six that are out there. Uh, there's one in California, by the way, so you can go find the one oh. in California. Ah. Um, I hope you didn't hide it in Malibu. I'll do that. No. Yeah, not Malibu. 
It's near Yosemite, so that's oh, all. We, yeah. That's all we're telling people. That's as close as we've got them to. Is uh, so anyway. Um, in two weeks, uh, we have on Super Nate and Pathfinder Thirty Three will be on talking about county challenge uh, and finding either all the counties in your state or doing like Super Nate did, which was go from Tennessee to California and back to Tennessee and found a cache in every county along the road, uh, along that route. And so kind of a fun thing to do. Uh, Jesse, you've done something similar to like, but. Something similar. Yeah, we're going to talk about that in two weeks. And in three weeks, I can't believe it, In three, it's only three weeks away, we've got our third annual podcast of hope mm-hmm. on 12-2. So um, really looking forward to that. Got a great all-star lineup for uh for that night and so we're really excited about um about the third third annual podcast of hope we're hoping to raise three thousand this year we raised two thousand last year so the pressure's on jesse we've got to raise three thousand this year so well we're gonna do it we'll do it we'll we'll we'll, get it we'll we'll make make our goal we'll make it or gary will stay on all night long that's right (laughs) one way or the other we're gonna raise that so um all right, well, folks, we hope you enjoyed the show tonight. A little long, but we had to go a little long tonight, uh, which is, you know, we had we had a huge, uh, huge show tonight to, to talk about. So uh, email us your comments uh, at geocachetalk at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter uh, at geocachetalk or uh, at Gary Slinkard, all one word. Instagram, we're doing a lot on Instagram lately, uh, geocachetalk, and Jesse's doing a lot on Instagram with Mem- uh, Memphis Mafia is his uh, handle, and definitely follow him, uh, all one word on there. And our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash talk. Show can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, uh, of course, as well as the Geocache Talk website. Don't forget to click on the subscribe button below and ring that bell down there so you can see and hear the show on a weekly basis and be reminded of the show. And tell your friends about the show and uh, have them come back. Be part of the chat room. I know the chat room was hopping again, I'm sure, mm-hmm. as usual. And um, we really appreciate our chat room folks and our patrons and everybody and all our listeners. And so until next week, don't just talk about geocaching. Go watch at your own risk <laughs> and buy that because it's awesome. And then after that, go find a geocache. So good night, everybody. Good night. Thanks. Good night. Good night. And we're off the air. We're off the air. <laughs> nice. That was so fun. Well-